This is KMTT. Today is Wednesday. This is Ezubek, the weekly shiur on Agadot Avraham Avinu. And uh, today we're moving into Parshat Bayera. And today's Midrash is about the beginning of Parshat Sdom. Specifically, the opening line, when God decides to include Avraham Avinu in the plan. Now, it's clear that, that from God's point of view, that's a complication. Uh, had he not told Avraham Avinu about it, he just would have gone ahead and done it. This way, he invites, basically, Avraham Avinu to interfere, to argue with him. And Chazal apparently understood that that was the Pshat of the Pasuk because it says, Vashem Amar HaMechaseh Ani Abraham Et Asher Ani Oseh. It said, Shall I hide from Abraham that which I'm going to do? Which implies, the way Chazal think, and I think it's actually Pshat, that there's a Habamim, there's a very good reason, yes, to hide. Why would God want to hide it? Apparently, yes, it makes sense to hide it, but nonetheless, God can't do it. Now, the Midrash we're going to read today is specifically based on this um, tension between the fact that God wishes to hide it from Abraham Avinu, but nonetheless decides not to, which gives us an insight into the relationship between God and Abraham Avinu, why in fact is it necessary for God to tell Abraham. Um, Now, of course, you might think that the answer to the question why God tells Avraham Avinu is explicit in the Pasuk. Pasuk Yudchet says, uh, I'm sorry, Pasuk Yudzayin, the Pasuk we read, says, HaMechaseh Ani Avraham Asher Ani Yoseh Shall I hide from Avraham that which I'm going to do? Next Pasuk says, Ve'Avraham hayo yiyeh l'goy gadol v'atzum b'nivr kubo kogoye ha'aretz. And Avraham, the end, I think, might be interpreted, the Pshat would seem to say, it means four for Avraham, because Avraham, he will be a great and, 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 and mighty nation. And through him all the nations of the world will be blessed. It sounds like that's coming to explain the reason. Shall I hide from Avraham that which I'm going to do? Avraham, for Avraham, the, nonetheless, Avraham is going to be a great and mighty nation and all the nations will be blessed by him. That's the reason why God tells him. Of course, you ask, why is that a reason? Good question. But in terms of the Pshat, that's what it sounds like. Um, however, the Midrash does not interpret the Pasuk, this Pasuk, Pasuk Yudchet, in that manner, and that's apparently the reason why it's necessary to give another reason, inexplicit in the Pasuk, as to why God decides to uh, include Abraham in his plans. Um, the beginning of Pasha Memtet in the Midrash Rabbah is based on the Pasuk Zecher Tzadik Livracha. Vashem Amal if you mention a tzaddik's name, you have to give him a bracha. As is said, Zechat tzaddik bracha. V'chol mishu maskir at rasha v'ino mekalalo over ba'asei. My time Hashem Hashem yirkav. You mention a rasha, you have to immediately curse him. As it says, B'Shem Rishayim Yirkav. And then, uh, eventually, after giving a number of examples and interpretation of this Pasuk, it gets to the point of our Pasha, uh, 
מנין שכל אחד ואחד מישראל שהקדוש ברוך הוא מזכיר שמו ומברכו, how do I know that whenever God mentions the name of a Jew, that God is not giving a bracha? As I said, והשם אמר, המכסה אני מאברהם אשר אני עושה, ואברהם יהיה לגוי גדול ועצום. לא היה צריך כלל מימר אלא ביום השם זרקת סדום ואמורה כי היא רבה. The pasuk we just read, ואברהם היו יהיה לגוי גדול ועצום, is not the explanation for why God does not hide מאברהם, his plans for stone, but is simply a ברכה. It's not a fact, it's a ברכה. Since he mentioned Abraham's name, Hamachasani me Abraham, the Sherni Yosef, I mentioned his name, then I give him a bracha as well. Abraham, Hayo Yiyeh Legoi Gadol. It's a blessing, not a prediction. And it's here in order to fulfill the Pasuk of Zecher Tzadik Livracha. Otherwise, God would have skipped on directly to the content of what he tells Abraham Avinu, namely that he's about to destroy Sidon. אמר הקדוש ברוך הוא, הזכרתי את הצדיק, ואיני מבחו, ואברהם היו יהיה לגוי גדול. אוקיי, so this is the background for the midrash that I wish to read. Obviously, you can claim that it's not the pshat. I mean, there are many places where God mentions Abraham by name and doesn't give him a blessing immediately. The truth is not exactly true. He speaks to Abraham Avinu. But when do we find a conversation where God speaking to himself in this case, mentions Avraham by name. So this is the Pasuk. Hamachasani mi Avraham, hmm, zecha tzadik livacha. Hamachasani mi Avraham, tasher ni yoseh, v'Avraham, hayo yiyeh l'goi gadol, v'atzum, v'ni v'kubor kogoi ha'aretz. So, why does God, in fact, tell Avraham what he's about to do? Parsha memtet, medrash bet, ot bet. The Pasuk on which the Midrash is based is the Pasuk in Tilim, Sod Hashem Li Reav Uvritol Lahodiam. God's secrets are given, are for those who fear Him, and His covenant to inform them. So after a number of explanations for what this Pasuk, even referring to Avraham Avinu, is about, we get to our Parsha. Tavar Acher. Sod Hashem L'Riyav. B'tchila haya Sod Hashem L'Riyav. In the beginning, God's secrets were uh, for those who feared Him, L'Riyav. V'achar kach, and afterwards, ליישרים, ליישרים סודו. There's actually no such פסוק in Tanakh. It's not clear what the Midrash means. The commentators suggest, based on a different Midrash, that it's a different פסוק, בסוד ישרים ועידה, תהילים קופי רלף. What's that? סוד ישרים. סוד ישרים ועידה. So first to those who fear him, then to those who are straight, who are righteous. ועקר כך לנביאים. And only afterwards to the prophets. Obviously, this goes against our normal order. We would think the prophets are the ones who know things. That God would tell someone who is not technically speaking or not professionally a prophet, but merely a tzaddik, a yashar, 
or Yarei. If anything, that would be at the end of the list. So the Midrash is interesting. It says, first of all, God communicates, He tells His secrets. Things which aren't known or meant to be known. He shares them with Yireav, those who fear God. Afterwards, with the Yisharim. And only, thirdly, Lanavi'im. Ki lo yasa Hashem elokim davar ki im gila sodo el avadav hanavi'im. Pasuk in Amos. Now before we even see what the application is, what's the logic here? Why Nevi'im the end of the list? I think the answer is obvious. Nevi'im are those who are told something so that they should tell others. It's not because they need to know. The Nevi has a job. So the things which God tells Nevi'im, they might be secrets, but they're, meant, they're not going to be secrets. God is telling him Navi because he doesn't wish it to be a secret. Some things are in the future. The future is always, by definition, a secret. But God has this thing whereby he tells people what he's going to do so that they should be chazabitshuva, so they should know, whatever the reason. Usually it's so that they should take warning. And therefore he appoints Nevi'im and tells him. That's the end of the line. That's when the secret is no longer a secret. But what the Pasuk, or what the Nechazal here, trying to say is that things which are really meant to be secrets, which nobody needs to know. Nonetheless, God tells, Yireav, v'akarkach la'yisharim, I'm not 100% sure what the difference between Yare and Yashar is here. It'll take a few minutes, not now, but when this recording is over, to think about it and perhaps communicate. Why are the Yireim, those who fear God, why do they have precedence in this order over the Yisharim, the righteous, those who are straight? So the point of Midrash is that God communicates, He 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 consults with the Yisharim and the Yireim, not as part of a plan to leak the information, but apparently because they need to know, or God needs to talk to them, or there's a reason behind the communication itself. It's ma'alat ha'irayim, it's because of their personal stature, their personal position, that God does not do things, God doesn't have secrets from them. Their closeness to God is such that God does not have secrets from them. That's not the status of a Navi. Navi is not that close to God, by definition. He has a job. And therefore, he only gets told what he needs to tell things which God keeps to himself, he doesn't share with the Nevi'im. But what the Pasuk, or what the Midrash is trying to say is that there aren't things which God keeps to himself to the exclusion of Yireav. So it's clear what I'm going to say now, what I think the Midrash is going to say. God is communicating with Avon Vinu not because there's any plan. doesn't help further God's plans for the world to tell Avon Avinu about what's happening in stone. It's simply that Kaviachol, God doesn't wish to bear this secret himself. He has a he has a, a need, so to speak, Lahavdim, Kaviachol, to share this with someone who is close to him. In other words, the Midrash is going to be talking about the closeness of Abraham, as the word Yare indicates to God. Amara Kadosh Baruchu, Abraham Zay Yirei Elokim, Shinamara Tayadati Kirei Elokim Ata. 
the expression Yarei, he who fears God, was first said about Avraham Avinu in the Akedah, which hasn't taken place yet, but that shouldn't bother us, it won't bother the Midrash. Avraham Avinu's status is that of Yirei Elohim Ata, as God said to him after the Akedah. Avraham ze yashar min ha-yisharim, shenemar mi yisharim ha not only is he Yirei Elohim, he is the straightest of the straight. Yashar min ha-yisharim. Pasuk in Shir Hashirim, mi yisharim ahivucha, which is Avraham Avinu. Avraham is a Navi, he's also a Navi, shenema v'ata ha-shei v'eshet ha-ish ki Navi hu. Ve'eini megalelo. And therefore shall I not tell him, said Tzol Hashem Nireyav. God shares the secrets with these three groups in the order. That was stated, the Midrash made it explicit. First of all, Yireyav. Was all three categories, of course, God says, can I possibly hide it from him? What's the reason? Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Mashal. The Midrash is going to tell us a parable, because the parables is the way in which Midrash tries to make clear to us um, concepts which are perhaps not clear. Mashal lemelech shenatan there are going to be a few different parallel formulations of the smallest same idea, and I'm interested in the difference between them. The first one is, a king gave an estate, Osia. He gave an estate, Le'ohavo. He rewarded him by giving him an estate. That's what kings do. And the king decided, what does it make a difference? He wishes to cut down five non-fruit trees. This is trying to make it close to the case of stone. Trees which are ilanei srak, not fruit trees, but really for the wood. And therefore, it's not that terrible to cut them down. Amar Melech, ilumi patrikun shelo. If it was from his patrimony, from his patrimony, patrikun, the estates which were his forever, they didn't get for me. Haitim vakesh loyam akem. But if I asked my my good friend, my ohev, to give me the trees, he wouldn't say no. Umabakach. And here I'm asking to get the trees not from his patrimony, but from the land which I gave him just a few days ago. It's for me. So surely I can take it without asking. But nonetheless, the king consults before he cuts down the trees. Okay, end of... Eretz Yisrael is given as a gift for me to Avraham Avinu Shenemar Zarachan Etatei Ta'aretz the Chamisha Kachim Halalu the cities of stone Amora are part of Eretz Yisrael, so they're actually growing. They're the trees growing on his estate, but I don't really have to ask because I'm the one who gave it to him. So surely he'll not hold back and attempt interfere. Ve'ilu mipatrikun shelo ayitim mivakesh lo yamakev asam his patrimony he wouldn't. Deny me. Umabakach v'nim lachma. Nonetheless, he consults with him. In other words, what does the first Midrash say? Why does God consult with Abba Marino? There's no good reason. He doesn't need to tell Abba Marino. Because one, Abba Marino will surely agree. He's not going to disagree with God if God wants something. Two, it's justified. Three, he's the king. However, we're talking about destroying cities in Eretz Israel. Navam Avinu has a vested interest. The fact that he will not put himself at odds in discord with God for all sorts of reasons is irrelevant. Because 
it's not proper to take the trees without speaking to them because you just gave it to them. And therefore the cities of Stone by Manga belong to Avraham Avinu. In at least the future potential sense that all of Ezra belongs to Avraham Avinu. natati. The negation, the Midrash, the emphasis of the Midrash is on the fact that to your future generations I have given in past tense. Natati, I've already given it. And therefore... God consults, he discusses with Avinu, even though he knows the outcome is in fact foretold. In other words, there's no serious consultation in the sense that the outcome is not already known. But it's proper procedure that if you are taking something from somebody, even though he has neither the right nor probably the will to hold back, to withhold. Nonetheless, you don't take something from somebody without telling him in advance. And therefore, the point here is that God tells Avraham Avinu because he recognizes that Avraham Avinu is the master of Eretz Yisrael. From God, but nonetheless the master of Eretz Yisrael. Okay, that's the first, that's the first Midrash. Midrash is coming to tell us that Avraham Avinu's involvement in this story is because he's the king, so to speak. He's the duke of Eretz Yisrael. Let's keep reading because I want to compare this to the other opinions. Rabbi Simon, Lemelech, Mashal Lemelech, a different Mashal. Shayulo Shlosha Ohavim. This king had three Ohavim, three friends. Before it was one friend. Now it's three friends. Velohaya Osed Davar Chutz Midatan. Has nothing to do with Eretz Yisrael. Nothing to do with the Osiyah, with the estate being given. But simply, kings have. Friends with whom they consult, Ohavim, comrades. The king's friend is, is he with whom the king consults. And he had three. And he wanted to do something, Chutzmidatan. He didn't want to tell them. Here the Midrash understands that the whole expression here, indicates that God doesn't want to tell. Because, why? It doesn't say. It'll hurt him. It, it may make him feel bad. Perhaps it'll interfere. The king has decided that this action he doesn't need nor wants nor desires the input from the three friends. So what does he do? So the first one, he got into a fight with him, he did something and he, he, he left the palace. So we don't have to take care of him anymore. The second one was a bit more of a pain. So he put him in jail. And he sealed the door to the jail. So he couldn't get out. But the third one who was he was excessively fond of him. Funny expression. Is it possible to be too much? He was excessively fond of the third. Even though I want to do it, I can't do it. Because the only way, what does it indicate? Why? What's so difficult? Even for the first two, he couldn't just ignore them. He had to use some sort of a strategy to get rid of them. So the only way to do something by ignoring the consultants, the, the friends who are consultants, is to get them out of, the, out of the palace, either by getting them to leave or by putting them in jail. But you can't. The king cannot simply do something and ignore them. And the third one, because he's a Chaviv Yotel he can't throw him in jail and he can't chase him out of the palace. 
he, he is so close to the king that he remains by the king's side. And if he remains by the king's side, Adam Arishon was the first friend of the king. And the, and the king chased him out of the palace. Chased him out of Ganeda. Noach was the second friend of the king. He locked him up in the, in the, in the, in the ark, in the teva. Strange way of looking of, as, of, of the teva. He's no longer in the world. God can destroy the world without consulting with Noah because Noah isn't in the world. He's in jail. Viewing the ark, not as, as obviously it's the safety, but not as the um, refuge of Noah, but as the jail of Noah. Avraham, Okay, so what does the second mashal say? It's not that because Avraham Avinu is the master of Eretz Israel, but Avraham Avinu is so close to the king that there's no way to get rid of him. And if there's no way to get rid of him, I mean, the king doesn't want to get rid of him. Therefore, he has to consult with him. What does this mean? After all, as I pointed out, you can just ignore Avraham Avinu. The Midrash is saying is that closeness to God means that God shares things with you. And if God doesn't want to share something with you, for some good reason, He has to make you less close to Him. He has to send you away. Well, Avam Avinu cannot be sent away because He really is close to God. It's not an accent. It's not He happens to be close to God. He hasn't sinned and, and there's no reason, there's no justification, there's no possibility of distancing him from God. But the closeness to God means that he is a shutaf. He shares in God's plans. Here we have the idea, very different than the first idea. The first idea says that it's, it's ethically improper to cut down the trees on your estate without your permission or without your consultation. And, and as so is God's, is, is Abhambinu's estate. It's true that you can take it away from Abhambinu because it's his estate by dominion by grant of God. So he who gave can take it away, but but it's not right. At least it's not proper. It doesn't appear to be proper. That was the first idea. The second idea says something else entirely. There's a status. And Avraham Avinu has achieved it. Whereby you are so close to God that you become partner. You become part of the council. The king doesn't do things in his own name. He does things in the name of the council. And the only way to do something in your own name is to fire the council. But you can't also have the council and also ignore it. God is not going to fire Avraham Avinu because he really is close to the king. He's Ohavo. He's the king's friend. Yotel Midai, excessively close. And here we announce what the word excessively means. Not too much, meaning it's improperly and wrong that he's so close. But he's so close to God that rational considerations of whether or not it's a good policy or a bad policy, whether it's convenient or not convenient, are no longer applicable. Avraham Mekalkelet et Hashura. When you're that much of an ohay, when you're that close to God, then the emotion, so to speak, the closeness itself changes the rationality of God's decisions. And the main point, I think, is that closeness to God creates a new status. You become part of the rule of the world. At least as a consultant. You're not part of the world now, but you're part of the decision-making process. And God does not make decisions without consulting with his Ohavim. As it turns out, there's only one Ohav who cannot be fired.
cannot be distanced. God has more than one Ohev. The Medrash is interesting because it says that the Jews are not, or Abba is not the only Ohev of God. But the others, you can get rid of. And if God chooses not to consult with them, He has a way to do it. But there is no way to get Avam Avinu. And I think it's clear that this is talking about Amisa, not only Avam Avinu. God cannot get rid of Amisa. Amisa is now a status of being part of the decision-making process. A s- only slightly different Midrash. Amar about Nachman. Mashal the Melech. Parable of a king, Shayalo, Sankatris Echad. Not three, but one, and a Sankatris. What is a Sankatris? It's some sort of a job. It means a minister. I am not familiar, I have not looked up the exact Greek word. But as opposed to Ohev, it's different from Ohev. Ohev are the king's friends. King's friends is also a job because the king doesn't have friends in the regular sense, but still they, their relationship is personal. Here it's San Kadris. He has there's someone in his court who has a job of being a minister. The Avach says, "Sal Yoetz Yoshev Al Kisol He's the to take an Italian term, consigliere. He's the king's advisor, minister in terms of minister of policy. One time he decided to do something without consulting with the minister of policy. Then the king said to himself, but why did I appoint him to be minister of policy? I can't appoint him and now ignore him. Therefore I have to do it. What's the difference? It's not a personal relationship. Abraham Avinu has a job, so to speak. He's been appointed. When? doesn't say, but we have to figure it out. When was he appointed to be Minister of Policy, consultant to the king, official consultant to the king, sometime in the past. Now, once you appointed him, you can't only do it when it's convenient. You appointed him because that's his job, and therefore, even when it's inconvenient, you have to do it. The difference between two major shame is the first one is personal. Amisol, Avinu has the job of being, has not the job, has a status of being so close to God that God shares with him his plans for the world. And here, you might think this is a lesser version, you might think this is a higher version. It's different. The job of Avinu is a job. God has not, he doesn't share the meaning because he likes him or because Avinu likes God, loves God. He shares with Avinu his plans for the world because that's a new job for himself, for Avinu. God has taken the role, the burden of running the world and divested or uh, um, spread it around with a council mini democracy or the king's council and Avraham Avinu is the king's counselor and you can't fire him from the job just because it's inconvenient I mean if you give somebody a job then you have to you're stuck with the, with the advice he gives you you have to take it so to speak the good and the bad or the good and the and the, and the in this case inconvenient klum asiti when I made him my consultant, I agreed to always consult him. And therefore, I have to consult him now as well. Okay, let me finish quickly the other Medrashim, uh, some which are more or less relevant. First one. Amar Rabbi Yudan, different, I think it's a minor point. Amar Rabbi Yudan, he said the reason is different. 
The reason is because of Lot. This is sort of similar to the first opinion. The first opinion says, because Eretz Yisrael is his. That's a great, at least there's a great notion there. That nothing can take place of Eretz Yisrael without consulting the master of Eretz Yisrael. Here, it's personal. Among other things, Lot lives in stone. I'm about to at least extremely inconvenience, even if I save Lot, but extremely inconvenience Lot by destroying his home and his hometown. So, it wouldn't be nice if later on Abba Mabinu found out about and said, you were going to destroy my nephew's house you didn't tell me. So, it's because of the personal um, investment that Abba has in stone in the presence of his um, of his nephew. The last opinion I think is interesting. Why Why was God trying to hide it but then couldn't hide it? It's not because of the land of Eretz Israel. That's the land of stone. It's the people. And the people, not the people of Eretz Israel, but the people of the world. I have called Avam Avinu Av Hamon Goyim. Which Midrash here obviously interprets to mean not father of many tribes, meaning the twelve tribes of Israel, but father of many nations. And it doesn't refer to genealogy because he's in no way the father of the people of stone. It means father of all nations. Avam Avinu is the father of humanity, not in a genealogical sense like Noah, but in some other sense. Spiritual responsibility. He has responsibility for all people in the world. Is it possible that I will judge the son without the father knowing about it. This is similar to the idea of Amma being, of Amma being so close to God that all of God's sodot, sod Hashem Nigayav, God has nothing hidden from him because he's so close that God shares with him because they're on the same side. It's also similar to the idea that there's a specific job, but here the job is different. Avam Avinu's job is to be Av Hamon Goyim, so to speak almost like intermediary between God and the world. Life, human life, is the concern of Avraham Avinu. Human, degenerate life, the life of the people of stone, the Rishayim, the exemplification of people who are Rishayim. We know what Chazal later on do with the, with the expression stone. It's the, it, it, it represents people who are morally corrupt. Avraham Avinu is Av Hamon Goyim. And and human life, destruction of human life, not because he owns the land, like the first opinion, but because he's the father to these people. It's an unusual way of looking at Bermavino. Obviously, we view Bermavino correctly as being the father of the Jewish people, and by that we mean that he's separated from the rest of the world. And we're in Pashat Bayeva now. I already read last week the Medrashim, which indicate how from Brit Milah and on, Bermavino understands that he's divorced from the world. But, but the Medrash says, not true. Socially, it's true. Nobody comes to visit him anymore. He doesn't visit them. But responsibility remains. And Avraham Avinu, I imagine that not many Jews are able to really um, inculcate this feeling into their own heads. God views Avraham Avinu and the Jewish people 
as being responsible and having an interest in every single human life. And people should not be killed. Rishaim should not be killed without Abraham Avinu knowing about it. And Midrash gives some, some, a few examples. Matan Torah gilitilo. I told them everything. I told them about, he very knows about Matan Torah. Gehenom gilitilo. Dina shostom lemachar. Veinim megalelo. I've told them about Matan Torah. There are Medrashim and other places which describe what the really the Makor for this is. We're going to accept it now in face value. Avraham Avinu knows the future of Amisol. Gehenom gilitilo. He knows Olam Haben Gehenom. So I'm not going to tell him what's happening tomorrow. The distant future he knows. What's happening tomorrow? I'm not going to tell him. It says, he told him Matan Torah. He even knows Dinim Darabanan. And now the line that I want to quote. And finish with Rabbi Pinchas b'Shem Rabbi Shmuel Amar Afilu Shem Chadash Shakadosh Baruch Hu Atid Likhod Yushalayim Shneemar Ba'etahi Yikul Yushalayim Kisei Hashem Haya Abraham Yodeya. I've told Abraham Binu everything: the future Matan Torah, the future of Gehenom, the future of Dinim the Rabbanan, which will take place thousands of years later. And in fact, he even knows the future name of Yushalayim. What does this mean? This is like a just a, 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 a Pella, Medrash Pella. He even knows the future name of Yushalayim. How, does, how do we know Avraham knows the future name of Yushalayim? Ki ba'etahi, the Pasuk in Yumiyah, or Gimel says, Yikru li Yerushalayim kisei Hashem. The future name of Yushalayim is kisei Hashem. How do you know Avraham Avinu knew this? Because Avraham Avinu called Har HaMoriah, Bahar Hashem Yerai'ah. He called God's name on Yerushalayim. The famous Medrash says, Yerushalayim is called Yerushalayim because it's called Shalem, as Malti Tzedek called it. And it's called Yeru, as Avraham Avinu said, Bahar Hashem Yera'eh. That's well known, and Yushalayim is called Yushalayim in the present. But this Midrash says, Avraham Avinu said, Bahar Hashem Yera'eh. We only took the Yera'eh. The Yera'eh made Yeru, Shalayim. But what about the Bahar Hashem? That Yushalayim is called Har Hashem. That's the future name of Yushalayim. And Avraham Avinu knows that as well, and he really called Yushalayim by that name, even though we didn't adopt it till the future. So if Avinu knows all that, surely I'm going to tell him about stone. Okay? I just want to understand what's so special about knowing the future name of Yerushalayim. I think here the idea is clear, and it explains it's the culmination of all the Medrashim we, 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 we asked, we, 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 we learned. The future name of Yerushalayim is Kisei Hashem. In other words, the ultimate goal of this entire process is that God should be Melech, Kisei Hashem, the throne, not the seat, but the throne of God. Yushalayim, the place that Avraham Avinu will eventually get to and sacrifice Yitzhak there. Yushalayim is the throne of God in the world. That HaKash who is in the heavens, will reign in the world. That's future. Because it, the, for, the, the culmination, the fulfillment of that is only in the future. But Avraham Avinu already knows that, meaning he perceives it. In other words, in perhaps an incomplete and potential manner, Avraham Avinu is Kisei Hashem. He knows, in the deep sense of the word, no. Avraham Avinu identifies inwardly with Bahar Hashem Yira'eh. This is the mountain of God. This is the throne of God. This is the seat of God. This is the house of God. And therefore, how can I not tell him what's going to happen in stone? Meaning, my presence in the world, says God, rests on Avraham Avinu. That's why I think it means the Jewish people, and not just Avraham Avinu. 
as an individual. The history of the Jewish people, Adl Otam Yamim, when the name of Yerushalayim will be changed to Kisei Hashem, the history of the Jewish people in a totality is God's presence in the world. So how could God act in the world, especially how could He destroy something in the world, which in effect is a is is an injury to the kingship of the kingdom of God in the world. How can God affect the kingdom of the world, God's kingdom of the world, without going through Avamavinu? In other words, it's not just that he's an advisor to God, he's a friend of God. The God's presence in the world is Avamavinu. He's part, so to speak, He's part of God in the world. You can't fire him. Because you fire him, then where are you? You're not in the world anymore. Why destroy Storm if you're not going to be king of the world? King of Yushalayim. You can't fire Avam Avinu. You can't put him in jail. You can't send him out because then God is out. The identification of Avam Avinu with God. The fact that he knows he sees, Kisei Hashem, Avraham Avinu already sees it, his life is dedicated towards, towards fulfilling it, it means that nothing can be done in this world without consulting with Avraham Avinu. Okay? I don't even have to sum it up now. Those words the Midrash said, the Midrash has said that at some point, apparently after Bukit Milah, Parashat Vayera, the relationship of Avraham Avinu to God is very different than it was before. It's not like Noah, or like Adam Rishon, or like Shem Ben Noach, or like Mark Yitzedek. He's not a tzaddik who listens to God, who does God. He is God's presence in the world. And therefore, something which never took place before, that God acts only after sharing with Avraham Avinu what he's going to do, that's a new thing. It's a new thing for Avraham Avinu. It's a new thing for the history of the world. No one has ever had this role before. And that's the role which was expressed explicitly in this pasha, and because I'll explain why. Because Avraham Avinu was not relatively different than previous tzaddikim. He's completely different. He's Olavo Yotel Midai. I think the last Medra says it. He is God's presence in the world. As it will develop and finally reach fulfillment in Kisei Hashem. God has a presence, a seat, a throne in the world. And therefore, that is immediately already exemplified by a change. God does not act unilaterally because His presence is not unilateral. God acts through His kingship. It's the king who's acting. And the king is not an individual God, but the king is the kingdom. And the kingdom is Am Yisrael, Avam Avinu, Yisharim, and finally Nevi'av. That's it for today. We'll be back next week with another episode in Agadot Avam Avinu, Koltov.